0: And we're on. Uh, Welcome to the uh, Serenity Now podcast, sponsored as always by the SOAR Group. I'm your host, Josh Malmovic. I'm honored to be joined by the three founding members of the SOAR Group today. We're going to go through and meet them and learn about the SOAR Group and uh, why we're going to have a Serenity Now podcast. Thank you. So, uh, first and foremost, Ryan. Ryan Molinaro. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I didn't want to make it sound too funny. Yeah, it's okay. Molinaro it is. He's the uh, CEO of the Sort Group and one of the founding members. Indeed. Very nice to have you here with me oh, today. Oh, I'm happy to be here. This is fun. It's a lot of fun. And right, who's this guy right next to you here? I'm Garrett Ladenbach.
1: I'm co founder and head of client operations. Garrett,
0: it's a workhorse, that guy.
1: Yeah. yeah. It's true. right. Professor.
0: professor. The professor, Garrett Ladenbach. And then James Chang. Yep, that's my name. The president. As we've been referring to him as El Presidente, James Chang, we're going to make him comfortable with that title.
2: No and matter I'm, what we do, yeah, I'm very comfortable right now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Well, hey, we got through that. We'll probably uh, we'll probably learn more as we go into deeper dive with each guys, each of these guys. But we're going to do a little kind of ten thousand foot uh, view of why you're here. So, Ryan, uh, tell me a little bit about uh, what got you to today. Yeah. Um,
3: it was a journey that started, honestly, I'd say it started many years ago. Um, I've known Garrett for about 12 years, James just a little under that. Garrett and I, we realized we liked working together pretty quickly, actually, and, and We've been known to, or you know, our, our colleagues have say, "Oh, you finish each other's sentences," and uh, it made it really easy when you're when you're doing projects together because he's good at what I wasn't good at, I was good at what he wasn't, and we just we were a much better team. So I think we started realizing really quickly that you're better as a team than you know together you go far, right? That was that's something.
0: That's very well said.
3: Yep. Yeah. And so when you go... Al- <coughs> oh, my goodness. He's going to be okay. It's going to
1: be. Uh-oh. It.
2: I hope that's not cold. Macadamia <coughs> nut. <coughs>
3: I've had my friends here from China for a couple of days, and since they've been here. You just, I've been coughing. Is that how know. we're
2: starting out the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> this is why I'm very... If you guys don't know, James Chang is Asian. Yeah. <laughs> okay? Thanks, you didn't James. know that... That's Cheng? what we're
3: starting with. Chang is? Yeah, why not?
0: Yeah. Um, we can always start over.
2: <laughs> but we're not. We're not going to. We're not going no. to. It's
3: Anyhow, uh, Garrett and I, we knew we needed to be a, a group, right, Got working together, and he brought it up to me a number of years ago, and we just had projects, and the, we were working in, you know, big corporations, and there was, there was plenty of work to do. And we both knew the most important thing was the people, and as cliche as that can be in today's world, you hear that often, but like, you know, it's like, what does that mean? And it's not simple.
0: Right? No, it's not. It's not.
3: And the higher you go, the more you're tending to your, every, every person there, your people issues. And they're not always issues, but everybody's got stuff. They come to work with stuff. So, can't be ignored. We knew that. He brought it up. I said, ah, we got too much stuff. And then some things started aligning. And at first, I didn't want to do it. And then it was like, no, we can't do it. And, oh, this isn't good. We were, we started entering a space where it was, well, this is going to be our path. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm leaving it really vague here and that's probably probably a little too vague, but...
0: No, it's, I think Veg's good, and in, and after we get through like getting to know you guys a little bit, we can talk about some you know the success you had and yeah. talking about people. I think that's a good idea. Yeah. Right.
3: So, you know, summing it up a bit quicker, how we all got together, we started talking about it, and one Friday I heard from James. I hadn't heard from him in a number of years. He was in China, and um. I, I said James, let's let's catch up. He's like, we need to, and I'm like, all right, Sunday. He's like, yeah, right, Sunday. I'm like, all right. And you know, when someone's halfway across the world, it's always not easy to, but the times, times worked out. I said, James, we're, uh, we're thinking about starting a business and he goes, I'm in. And he said, I'll work for free. And I said, okay, uh, noted. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember saying working for free. I remember no, right, that was was specifically, that not come out words. specifically uh, him not, saying I'll yeah. work for free. <laughs> and so I'm like, well, that makes it easy. Right? We don't have to even give you money. Um, That's why I haven't
2: been paid yet. <laughs> yeah,
3: And so from there, I said, I went to Garrett on Monday, and I said, hey, I uh, you know we're talking about doing this, but James, you don't know him real well, um, but you know me. You trust me. I think you do. And he said, no, I absolutely do, and, um, you know, let's, let's talk. So the three of us talked, and we said, let's do this. And then it was a uh, burn the ships from that moving forward. Yep. So.
0: I mean, it's the American dream, right? You come up with an idea, you know, the stars align. Yeah. And you guys are going all in. Yep. Yeah.
3: And you also realize that uh, it takes action. Right. And each, uh, you know, each one of us had a different uh, piece that we brought to the table. I, I mean, how it comes to is. Like I said, together you go far. If this was me alone, we, you know, I wouldn't be here. Right. We, it's just, yeah. just fact. I, I know it. There's a lot of stuff I'm good at. I can, disciplined in many ways, wouldn't happen. Right. That's it's good to know team. that. Yeah. yeah. It's good to it's know your
0: shortcomings, and it's good to know and realize that you do need help. Yeah.
3: It takes a team. Absolutely. <laughs> and if somebody says, you know, if you got a boss that is know-it-all, we all know what that's like. The They're worst. not.
0: Yeah. <laughs> They don't even know what they don't know.
3: They are not.
0: Yeah. Well, it's very nice uh, to hear a little bit about your background yeah. and, and have you here, and hopefully that, that macadamia nut you know goes away. Yeah, I
3: think I'm good now, but there's there's a lot of gaps in that, but I think over over the next few years, we'll be able to
0: get all of them. Well, and we're going to do a, a deeper dive and like do one-on-one mm-hmm. interviews uh, with each of you to get more of that information, so cool. it'll be great. Garrett, how's it
1: going? It's going well. Tell us happy about to Garrett. are here. I'm glad you're here. Very happy to be with you all as yeah. well in person it's good I mean, obviously uh, my story and ryan's story parallel each other um, but i think to to even go back a little further perhaps um i would say my whole life i've been fascinated by by the concept of leadership and for a large part of that time i think i had a erroneous view of it right and there was obviously a desire to to always help people um, but it wasn't until I started working. Ryan hired me. I was working down in the Port of Los Angeles. I was 21, managing longshoremen who were, you know, 30 years my senior in, in age and experience, and not afraid to remind me of that fact. That going to be fun all the time. Oh, it was good. Yeah. He, it was. He,
3: he left out. He looked like he was 12.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he kind of does now, but anyway. Yeah, you know, anyway, things fine. don't change, but... <laughs> The incredible thing though is how um, in those situations that are that are difficult, right? Managing someone when you're a new manager who's infinitely more experienced than you, how you have the opportunity to build relationships. And I think for me that's when I saw the power of relationships and and leadership. And when you build those relationships with people and you trust them and they trust you, they start to let you into aspects of your life that you ordinarily wouldn't be privy to in a in a professional relationship and you're actually you're able to do a lot of good right they're able to help you transform and you're able to help them transform and I think for me when I started to see that I realized my previous thoughts on leadership were wrong right and mm-hmm. although it's it's common to say like servant leadership uh, in practicality. Sometimes it's more difficult, right? And you kind of have to start to have that door open to you. So, I think that's that's what ignited the passion for me. And you know, being partners with Ryan and James, and um, being with people who share that philosophy, I think is is very encouraging. So, that's why that's why I'm excited about it, and that's what I want to do. Is I think you know Ryan made a comment. It's it's cliche now almost, or um, it's often talked about, but. You know, you can go on LinkedIn and you can find 15 inspirational quotes on leadership. But to find somebody who's actually applying it in the workplace is oftentimes a very, very different thing, right? Yeah. It's, every workplace I've been in, it's been very sparse. And so I think there's a genuine need. And I think people, when they examine the work environment and, and just a large par- portion of their lives, they see, hey, this is something that I, that I need that I would want to impact as well.
0: You know, and I <clears throat> when you say inspirational quotes, I always think about the office, right? And how Michael Scott would have all those inspirational yeah. posters on the wall. Right. And you couldn't even spell leadership, right? And I, I kinda yeah. find out that in a lot of places where they have a bunch of those inspirational quotes, there's yeah. no inspiration. It just becomes a white noise. It's like we put a we just put a poster up and that covers it. Right.
3: Yeah. Is it just gonna be absorbed? Right. It's on the wall. Osmosis. They'll absorb that. Yeah. You're correct. Well now you can see where. Where Garrett comes in different than me, just drop some truth nuggets Looking, on us.
0: I mean, the professor is in. Yeah, yeah. So there we go. Yeah. Garrett, he's awesome.
3: Get a beer. He's kept me on the tracks
0: here a few times. I, I mean, I can see that. Mr. Chang, how you doing? Sir. <laughs> sir? <laughs> I'm a host of a podcast. Who how sure am I, sir? Sure. You, are, you are James Chang, president of uh, the SOAR Group. Tell me how you got here. A West Pointer. Mm. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Ring knocker. We should probably talk about that.
2: How I got here was knowing Ryan Garrett. I think they were looking for the minority share, and so they decided to bring myself in and say, hey, we, uh, we don't want to be just a homogeneous kind of ethnic group. And so that's <laughs> <why>. <laughs> the diversity no parts no Just boy. make sure we get We're <laughs> we go. <laughs> we going down the rabbit All right, hole We'll see you guys later Okay. Yeah. Hey guys, Everybody just up, left off <laughs> 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 I, got, I got an audience out there I got my woke crowd out there Woke <laughs> woke <laughs> <laughs> We might actually have to delete that <laughs> yeah, Probably <laughs> You might want to start over uh, <laughs> We have the <to> beep beep <laughs> 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 oh, <laughs> there you we press go. the button. You <laughs> um, anyways, okay. How did I get here? Uh, well, right, like Ryan said, is that we knew each other over ten years ago from uh, working out, uh, doing CrossFit. Just we, re- I think there was a mutual respect. I think we were the one of the older people in, in the crowd, but mm-hmm. still killing it. I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we were. Uh, we weren't
3: that old. Compared to the coaches, we were older, but.
2: It's in we're your still, early yeah. thirties. Early thirties. Thirty. Yeah. Thirty. Exactly. Yeah, 30. We're still killing it, though, In the top scores. We would always, um, I would come in the mornings, I think Ryan came in the afternoon, so we'd always look at the whiteboard and see who. So
3: I just would look for James's name, <laughs> and I said, I'm going to beat that number. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Every time.
2: I think what happens through, like, kind of that, that physical competition, though, is there's mutual respect. And yeah. so I think that's what we, we just have, we have, a mutual respect. And I think, um, you know, we, we worked out th- th- throughout the years, and then I moved to China, and I was in China for about three or four years. And. Uh, because of COVID, I, I was actually not in China. I was actually in, uh, I somehow got to Taiwan um, after I just recently got married and uh, called up Ryan. I was like, I gotta catch up with this guy. I just felt the need to talk to him. And he was, again, shared that idea like, I wanna start a business on leadership. And I felt like leadership was something that I felt was meaningful and something that the world needed, you know not just starting in the United States, but also what I saw in China. And I think that this is something that I can get behind and put my full force into it. Like leadership, culture, change. You know, people talk about it, but I think actually doing it and coaching people how to do it is the key to really changing the impetus to starting to change the world. Mm-hmm. So that's basically what it is. We have a shared vision of and trust in our relationship, and we have a shared vision of what we want. That's awesome, I mean, <clears throat> I know in the
0: one of the first conversations we ever had as a group, um which seems like years ago, um, but like one of the first conversations, one thing that really kind of sparked my interest was what the actual vision of the SOAR group is. I mean, we talk about leadership, we talk about these big these robust ideas or you know putting inspirational quotes on the wall, but let's go a little bit deeper into you know what it is like the actual mission of the SOAR group uh as we move forward, and what leadership really means. Um, to you guys
3: well I think we'll probably answer that as a group Um, I would hope so yeah well everybody will add a piece and we're all in line yeah Uh, we're all in alignment Um, we all just different things come to us at different times but you know where it comes in in like a very simple form is you know I saw the difference of what you can do in leading managers to manage well the effect that that has on every person there, and to the the one who's cleaning the facility, you know, every person. There isn't a person that gets left out um, when 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 the place is thriving, when when people are managing well. I always said, you know, early in my career, I was given a promotion, and I I didn't know really why. It felt right.
0: You like the pay raise. Yeah. I mean, promotion, great. Like awesome.
3: Yeah, this is awesome. Yeah. But I didn't know what I was good at. Um, some some folks in HR would ask me, like, what, what are you good at, Ryan? And I'd say, I'm people. And it was never an
0: acceptable answer, and I never understood that. And I said, I don't know what to tell you. I can... Wait, it wasn't an acceptable answer? Yeah, it was never acceptable. And you're talking to HR, which is human resources? yeah, And people... <laughs> uh, that's it. That's a very. They, they wanted you
3: to give negotiation. They wanted you to give you know some right. type of skill, <laughs> yeah. you know specific. Um, interesting. You know, academic skill? Would you say you know? Um. Anyhow, I, I felt like you're given, you're given the keys, and you're never taught how to
0: drive. Fair point. And
3: and, and that's what it that's what it comes down to mm-hmm. on just a basic level is, you know how how do you how do you drive, and a lot of. A lot of what we're looking at is we've applied different philosophies over the last 12 years. And, and all three of us in different capacities. But, you know, from reading, listening, um, and applying different ways. And there's some great material out there. You know, a lot of this stuff we didn't have to reinvent the wheel. Um, some of it was what the three of us have had discussions about. Is it's too far one way, or it's a little not enough of this? And so, one of the things we're doing is we're we're trying to take the
0: best of the best. Yeah, right. Doing the doing the grunt work for everybody. Yeah, and then and and, and coming up with a roadmap that gets to leadership yeah. instead of having to go down all these different roads. And
3: the mission is is how do we affect more than just one organization? How do we affect the lives of every person uh, that works at an organization in, in more than just one?
0: Well, and another thing that you guys said when we first started talking, too, it's not only how you affect them as an organization. It's how you affect them when they go home, right? Yeah. Because right? Yeah. there's the there's a the thought that they probably have children, right? Yeah. And those children need leadership. And those could be the future leaders of tomorrow if this is a an ongoing, you know, kind yeah. of a snowball, right? Like right. So if you're... You put these really good values into the workplace they take that home with them yeah it doesn't stop just because they clock out
3: yeah well and, and you know some of it's just a matter of they're treated well when you're, right. when you're treated well in the workplace people go home and they're just more pleasant yeah. yeah you know when they meet their wife or their husband they're just more pleasant and they're like how was work and it was like "Yeah, it was it was, it was good
0: yeah it was okay they probably have energy to like go home and make food and you well. know, hang out and have a social life and have something outside of work when they're happy at work, too. You
3: know what I saw early was how much time people would talk, sp- or how much time people would spend talking about management. And even, you know, where they had a hand in it, too. Let's, let's not forget, we all have a hand in it. I, I'm talking, I've seen hours, hours of time just because of how someone in management was acting. And and they weren't yeah. wrong, yeah. And no, it was, not at all. And, and the people weren't wrong, right? The, the manager was, um, or the leader, whoever was, you know. It's the higher up, the worse it was, and you know how frequently people would just spend time. And I'm like, hey, if we can just let's just not worry about that. If that's just hey, let's just that that's something we don't even have to talk about. Holy moly, work just starts. I mean, people are just knocking it out of the park, you know, and then, oh, they're, they're laughing.
0: Yeah. They're having fun. Who knew? Yeah, stop talking about the bad guy, and let's just get to work and focus on each other and the team. Yeah. And, well, and
3: some of that takes courage because you have to right. have a leader that has courage to, to remove the bad guy, too.
2: You know, a couple of things that Ryan brought up that um, I was thinking, you know, like the promotion part. People that usually get promoted are like that, let's say, salesperson. But that doesn't mean, just because they know how to sell, doesn't necessarily know, mean they know how to manage or oh, yeah. be a leader. Mm-hmm. So you classic. always have, that. the classic example is that, you know, the Michael Jordan or the Phil Jackson, Chicago Bulls. Michael Jordan, fantastic player. As a player coach, questionable at the, sure. the Charlotte Hornets, right? Right, sure. So it, the other part that Ryan brought up, I think that's in- applicable, is can you teach leadership? Is it a natural gifting, or is this something that's learned? Yeah. And I could talk personally for me. Like I went to West Point, but one of my recommendations to West Point, my gymnastics coach said that James is not a natural leader. Yeah. And uh, so that 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 could have hurt me, but I think West Point was predicated on the point of they build leaders of character, and it was uh, a process for me. But I think I think uh, I came out okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm here somehow. Yeah.
0: Well, and sometimes when somebody says that to you, right, that helps push you to find out why it is that they think you're not a natural leader. And then, it, you know, I think people that have, like, charisma or have, you know, a natural knack for people to follow them uh, probably take shortcuts and probably don't do the work. Whereas somebody that maybe doesn't have the gift Mm -hmm. will work harder and become a much better manager and a much better leader.
1: Yeah. And I I would say just looking at the three of us, right? Mm Mm-hmm. James and I are probably more naturally introverted, less outgoing on our own. And Ryan, you're an extrovert.
2: Garrett, speak for yourself. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <Don't> <laughs> bring me in the mic.
1: Sorry, scripting you in with me, but it's too late. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's I think when we talk about a piece of sore, right? Part of the mission is we all acknowledge that in life, you're going to come across an obstacle, and to look at the obstacle and to see that, hey, this is something that's going to cause growth and make me better is um, it's an important mindset to have. So as a more introverted person, who naturally wouldn't want to go out with people, I still have to overcome that if I'm going to be a successful leader. It doesn't, doesn't mean I can't be a successful leader, I can. And I think there's things about you know, your personality sure. that you would say can be challenging, mm-hmm. and you've had to overcome as well. So it's, I think that's the beauty of leadership, is as long as people are willing as long as we're willing to look at ourselves first and lead ourselves you know then other people will will likely start to begin to follow us
3: there he, there right. he goes again there <laughs> he
1: goes again the professor just
0: <laughs> comes out of nowhere that's no, great that's no, yeah, right no it's 100% accurate um, I think it's great well <clears throat> we're talking about how we got here we're talking about like the mission of Sorger, but mm-hmm. uh, so what is Sor? like where do we come up with the name where do we come up with like, the foundations of here that was a pun by the way. The foundations. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's right. Not too so much.
0: That was our goal, as we said, uh,
3: you know, we don't want to name after one of us or, or anything like that because we wanted to go beyond us. That was that was number one, right? Like or we wanted to go beyond us. And then we started trying on a lot of different names. I mean, I think we went through close to thirty different it was a names. Lot, at least. I mean, we 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 would try it and we would sit with it and, oh, guys, I don't, I don't think that's it. It doesn't, doesn't feel right. And we, we came across the word soar when we were going through a lot of material and saying, you know, it, it's that foundation, that foundation that creates, um, you know, the building blocks for everything else. And so rock has been part of it. So we started looking at, you know, you know solid rock. Foundation on solid rock, and I started looking up different Greek and 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 Hebrew words, and and then I saw "sore," and I was like, "Huh, it's interesting." And it, we started saying sore initially because that's a that's a pronunciation variation of it, and, and then we all kind of locked in on it, and we all said, "Well, wow, that that seems right." Yeah, and part of what it was is we also. Part of the imagery, if you will, like of 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 what we're looking for is, is to, you know, when you're when you're when you're down in something, when you're in the weeds and you're stuck, or you, you know, whatever you're experiencing, whether you go overreact, where you go passive, but how you know, when you pull out, so thinking we were thinking like pulling out, pulling out, rising up, rising above, and soaring, so right. Perfect. Yeah. yeah perfect. So, SOAR you know, it, the foundation of is, is rock, rock of God. Right. And for us, that's fully in line with our values and our principles. And, um, it was a natural
0: fit. And when we were talking earlier, just having a fun discussion as we were getting set up and getting ready to do this. And we we're talking about like, if you build a house on a shoddy foundation, what yeah. happens? So, I mean, I it think it's home. very appropriate. Like the like how came to be,
2: I think another part about SOAR, too, you know, besides foundation, I've heard it also translated as flint or spark. Yeah. So there's something about initiating something new, you know, a fire for other people that right. we want to be part of. Not just a foundation, but we want to initiate something. So, that so I, I, that's how I see SOAR as well. It's just not just, you know, like when you think of rocks just standing still, but able to do something, yeah. move forward. Yeah. Start
0: a fire. Start a passion. Mm-hmm. You know, ignite the passion of people wanting to, yeah. you know, learn leadership and to you know be able to grow better people like better better workers better whatever you can put whatever at the end of that but
1: and it it's contagious right so once once the spark is lit in somebody you know they might not stay at that company forever but the next company they go to they're going to bring the spark there and it's going to be this replicating effect
0: well so let's talk about that a little bit. So let's talk about when you guys were at another company, when you guys were working together, mm-hmm. and you implemented some of the practices that you are ultimately going to be using going forward. You know, as Everything's always changing, but some of the you know, founding principles. Mm-hmm. Talk about that success that you had. Uh, I mean, we had poor work conditions. Like People were mad all the time, right? Product- productivity was down. Uh, profitability was way down. Mm-hmm. So just talk yeah. about you know what you guys did in, in bringing the leadership to, to make that happen.
3: Gary, you want to start? Let's Professor start. should start.
1: Yeah. So, I th- you know, at this point, we'd we'd known each other for quite a few years, and we've we'd also worked apart as well. So I think we had yeah. brought in some different different experiences that um, kind of prepared us for that. And I remember the first day I met the team. So kind of to paint the picture, um, you were saying right, poor productivity, actually negative uh, EBITDA. So the Losing a significant amount of money each year, and came in on the first day. Brian had been there for a, a few months yeah. beforehand. Three, four months, yeah. And um, you know, I looked at I looked at everyone. And I said, "Hey, we're going to be doing um, two things, right? We're going to be focused on um, building up each other, and and through that, there's going to be a natural result, which is going to be." more satisfied customers and we're going to we're going to fix our profitability issue Um, and one of the words i used to describe it at that time i kind of warned everyone i said hey this is a weird word to use in business but the word we're going to think about is love and if we love what we do and we have a love for one another as as coworkers, is going to be contagious and that is going to start to reverse the trend that we've been on and, you know, not that telling people, hey, just get along and love each other, fixes everything. <laughs> but it was kind of that mindset that we, I think, brought in. And it did. It worked, right? So within a few months, we were starting to see positive trends within. forget it.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, going back to that conversation, you know, I'm sitting right there. And I had just spoke to everyone. And, and then Garrett went. And even me at first, I was like, how are they going to take Love it's a pretty loaded word, it's a loaded word, yeah, and I'm like, but he's right, he's right, um, and it was that it like he's talking about that mindset where people were you had people that was infighting you whenever an organization's struggling, there's always infighting there's there's
0: yes the he said she said,
3: yep, and just a lot of adversarial relationships. And what starts happening is is it's it's it takes constant, you know, time working with each person and them to feel cared for, feel loved. Mm-hmm. And then they start thinking, well, maybe maybe they're not so bad. And maybe I'll try and
0: speak a little nicer to them.
3: And then it just opens the door.
0: I mean, that's an awesome way to put it, like saying, I mean, love what you do, love each other. I mean, if you love people, that, there's a respect factor, you know. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it's huge. I mean, it's it's awesome. Now, you did other things, right? You used some other tactics and other things to uh, maybe make, make sure people were doing the right things or, like, fitting into their roles properly. Correct. Yeah, I mean,
3: if you go into that, we we... High level. High level. You had to look at everyone's needs. Um, you know, you start get there's like basic needs and then there's psychological needs. And we started with the basic and when there's gaps there, you have to start there because if, if a basic need isn't getting met, then you're not going to, so the, we go back to the foundation. So you look at the foundational basic needs. Okay. Hey, we have a gap. Um, you know, where people use the restroom, it's not adequate. Um, where people eat their food. Right. Right, so you start thinking you gotta start thinking of like shelter, food, right, these types of things when there's when they're not functioning well in a workplace, then you're not gonna build you can't come in bringing certain principles and just throw them on everybody yeah. and say these are going to fix it, just just go by these four or seven and, and we'll, we'll be good, yeah, you know, so you you start there, you know and then and then from there you start you start introducing. Certain principles, but I always found that you you have to start very small, and you know at some point I know we're going to get into habits and things of that nature. But it's the same way you want to look at it, the same way as habits, where you start with very small. Like if you want to if you want to put in a new habit, of just working out, you know uh, James Clear has a great great book. There's a couple of other really good books on it. But how you know a guy drove wanted to start working out, drive to a gym every day. He only went five minutes for I think it was like a week or two. And then he went back and 2 weeks later he said, "Alright, I'm going to do 10 minutes." And he was getting in his car, driving over there every day. So, and then it, it, what it comes down to is you start with that one little piece. So, whatever that one thing is, right? You start getting everybody around this one thing. And if it, you know, it's some form of improvement, doesn't have to be you know you don't have to go for the gold it's out not of the, the gate. national championship yeah. the first the first one yeah, you just, yeah, well,
1: you're not going to do it you know, one of the things i learned from ryan was just the the importance of taking the time to get to know people so that yeah. i think the one of the main habits that led to success how do you actually demonstrate to people that you love them is you know them so when you're running an organization and you don't know your people it's yeah. tough, right? But yeah. if you take the time, you build the habit to meet them, then they feel very different. Yeah,
2: right? it, all, it only reminds me, Ryan, what you're talking about in terms of basic needs, like Mavs Law's hierarchy that's of right. needs. Were you thinking about that? Absolutely. You we listed them out. Yeah. So you think, so how do you determine those needs? So that's become my question. since says you guys led this organization.
3: Yeah. Um, I went through uh, Marshall Rosenberg's yeah. yeah, nonviolent communication, and he goes into the nine basic needs. Nice. Like any of these are missing. Yeah. You can't go anywhere. And that's where if you really want to unpack needs, yeah. like go through his material and he'll, you'll, you'll start to see, oh, that's why this is so important. I mean, we
1: take little
3: things, we, 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 don't, we don't place importance around certain things that could be very small, but very, very important.
1: Yeah. Go ahead, Garrett. I was going to say, isn't that, didn't you recommend? Yeah, he did. That book to Ryan. Yeah, so James I was, I was, was a part of this.
2: I was teeing yeah. it up. I was teeing yeah. it up for myself. I was course. the yeah, one yeah. who introduced yeah, that you know. thing yeah. to yeah. But no, it brings there. up an <laughs> interesting point. So I remember Garrett saying that one of the first things you did at that company was uh, safety, one that needs of safety. Safety. And you allowed people like, what did you exactly do there?
1: I mean, there was, there was a lot of un, unsafe scenarios, but I think.
3: Oh, the, yeah. So I had to think about it for a second because there's. It's Like Sa- safety is such a uh, yeah. uh, broad term. It's such a broad term, and in corporate, you know, it doesn't mean you go hire a safety manager necessarily. Right. Not to mm-hmm. say you, someone doesn't need a safety manager. Some people do that, though, right? Some people do, and they're all right. I'm going to cover safety in that way. So no, no, no. It's that they need to feel safe. So there's a couple of different layers. So physically, so you have to address that. Is there is there a physical safety not taking place? Mm-hmm. And then there's a psychological safety, and that one's much more involved. Um, That takes where, hey, I'm safe to say this to Garrett. I'm safe to say this to Ryan. That is like, that takes rep after rep after rep of us saying, it's okay. Hey, and you know, you have to read body language and you see, he's not telling me something now because he's afraid of my reaction. So that's where presence, you have to be in presence. So I say, okay, I can see he doesn't want to tell me something. I need. I'm going to let him know. I don't. I don't care what the outcome is. Did this happen? I'll just guess. I'll be like, hey, did did this happen? Did did we not get it done? And it was like, well, yeah, no, boss, we didn't. I'm like, okay, that's okay. And then I just walk away. Yeah. And then they're so like, wait, he didn't. He, he,
2: didn't, he, he didn't, look, didn't. yell at me. Didn't he didn't lash out at me. He, he didn't give me a punishment, right? So it allows people safe to be honest with you. Yeah.
3: yeah. And then and then then I I. I a lot of times I wouldn't even say anything else about it again. Because I knew someone will hold themselves more accountable than I ever could. And if they're not, then you know, they show a pattern and then you know And that's different. It's yeah. different. Yeah. You know, those people they always kind of rise up in a bad way.
0: Right. And then you can move them on or yeah, you, do you different know, things. There's a lot of different things you can
2: Different areas. All right, go ahead. Was well, this when you first like got to the company, like allow safety? Like is this is the way you prove to yourself. Like when, you, when somebody new comes in the company, the first thing people are like, Okay, who's this yep. jerk off? What is he gonna do? Like, <laughs> yeah, right. Who's yeah. Who's this? You you know, the new uh, yeah, the new Yeah, leader. I mean that's so that's, that's a great manager. question.
3: Yeah, yeah. So I mean one thing I, I think I've frustrated a lot of my own superiors in years past because it takes some time. Like I, I really like take time. 'Cause the problem is is you tell someone that in an interview, hey, the you know, thirty, sixty, ninety, what are you gonna do? Mm-hmm. First six months, what are you gonna do? And it's like, well, I'm gonna get to know everyone. You know, I, I've had a that's lot huge. of people say that to me and get to know people. Yeah, get to know people. But mm. that's painful. And upper management, senior management, they don't want that. They don't want that time.
2: Well, explain like what why why is it painful to get to know somebody?
3: Because there's very little results typically.
2: There you
3: go. Very little results and that's your job as a manager, right? You got to produce results. And it takes time. Because you have to go sit with them. And you're not you're not getting any emails done potentially, you're not getting any spreadsheets done, whatever. Whatever you have to produce, you're not doing. So, production from a manager standpoint can be a very slippery slope. Of losing connection with your team, yeah,
0: yeah, pushing people way too hard to get to the result at the cost, you know, of their development or the cost right. of their, you know, happiness or anything, can be very detrimental. It might be a short term gain, right? Yeah, you can just keep throwing, throwing more wood on the fire. Oh,
3: you can get short term all day. Oh yeah, yeah,
0: yeah but long term you're going to start falling off. Yeah, they're gone. And it's a couple of points you brought up that I I think kind of ring true too is like many different companies you've been around or big small doesn't matter like they have these words like open door policy yeah right we can talk about that you know what i'm saying like we're going to have a podcast safety, on that we will for sure but like with the safety thing like the open door policy was in place so that way you could come in and say basically anything in a safe environment mm-hmm. and i think that's one thing you implemented quite yeah. quickly i'm just
3: going to little drop you do put rules around how an open door policy works but we won't go there i know but you know okay. what i mean I right it's important though it is
1: and, and in this context though it the burden was not on the employees to come and talk to Ryan mm-hmm. or myself, right? It was, we go out and we engage them. And I think that's the difference, right? So as
2: So you guys initiated.
1: Yeah. And, you know, at, there will always be people who respect positions of authority. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. someone like myself, I might not naturally feel comfortable talking to you as the president. Right. And so, if, if you don't engage me, I will never engage you, and I might have a wealth of information that I want to share.
2: Yeah, I would say also, like, you know, personality types really affect interaction. So just the example you just gave, like, I'm a natural introvert, so I won't say anything until somebody kind of initiates something towards me, whereas, obviously, Ryan and Josh are extroverts, right. and so they they can talk and talk and talk and talk, and they, they'll initiate it, which makes them fantastic people, person people, you know, like, yeah. you know, out in front and, relationship building, but I'm probably, if I wasn't put in a position of responsibility, I'd be okay just sitting there doing my work Mm -hmm. and getting things done.
3: Yeah. I mean, you bring up a good point, too, because that's also where, you know, I I could also get over my ski tips, right? And then you're like, hey, man, we don't want to do that. I'm like... All right, thanks.
2: <laughs> Get over your Speaking ski tips. Speaking of safety. That's <laughs> a skiing term, yeah. sorry, okay. if you don't know it's that. Just go over your ski tips. Yeah, so you go
3: over you your ski tips, you're tumbling. Ah,
2: yeah. uh, yeah. okay, So because you're going too hard or going too, too difficult? Or just doing too much, right? Okay. Yeah. Taking on too much, yeah. pushing too far.
3: Yeah, or just moving a little too fast, um, maybe, you know, committing to too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I don't know if we want to go in this direction now, but... I do feel it's the responsibility of a leader to take the commitment and and you know that takes courage but you have to you have to be willing to commit. Yep. And you have to be willing This is so this 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 phrase is, is so overused in corporate America in self-improvement right now you know on every every platform but that you You will stand behind your people um you will you will take the fall right we've heard that in different forms right you'll you'll take the responsibility but like really do it to where you know this was not at the previous company but one many years ago um i was in a situation where the uh the senior manager i was reporting to he said who did that i said it was me he's like i know it wasn't you and i go. That was me. And, 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 it, and it drove him nuts because I wouldn't reveal the name of the person on my team that made the mistake.
2: Because you felt as the leader that who made the mistake your team, you took I didn't the communicate to him properly. It was right. my
3: fault. Right. And it, you know, quite frankly, it was. I mean, we can unpack that at a later time, but I didn't, you know, he didn't have proper guidance from me. Um, I didn't follow up. I should have known to follow I mean, there's there was a. There was a list of things going on. And it was it was complex, you know. It was a you know, there was a thousand people in operation. It was it was complex, but
2: you know. So, what do you say to the manager that takes the fall, the responsibility, even though he physically wasn't physically the one at fault? Like, the consequences of that, you know. Like most people are afraid to say that it's their fault because there's there's consequences to every single action and decision, right. Mm-hmm. right? And so, yeah. what do you say to a manager says it wasn't really his? yeah of course, as a manager, you're fully responsible for everything of your teams, but it wasn't you actually doing it like and your boss or the client asks whose fault it is. Are you willing to take the consequences as to as far as getting fired? you know when you have a kid, you have a mortgage, you have all these responsibilities, and this job is basically your only source of income. Is that something they're that expecting all leaders to do? yeah.
3: That's a, that's just a straight yes. And I'll tell you why. Cause once you start doing that, all of a sudden the locker room's standing behind you.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And from a sports terms, if you don't have the locker room, you don't have then you don't have the game. If you lose the locker room at halftime, especially, you're you're done. Second half's done. Um and what starts happening is is this gets into James your question, it ties directly into that building trust. Building safety. Yep. Because what happened? You know, you have to make a decision though. If you don't want your people to make decisions, make well good decisions on their own without you being there. Because one, you can't be there all the time. You know. If you want them to do that, they have to feel safe to do that. Right. Then they start building confidence. So you go from safety. Now you start gaining into the next levels of strength.
2: Yeah. Should we pause here?
0: Mm. All right, we're back. little, uh, you know, life happens moment there. Uh, but I think uh, what we were talking about uh, with, um, now, now I'm going to try to think about it again. Someone refresh my memory. Just responsibility. I I got it. Got it. So well, here's really the thing. So one thing that, uh, the go off that story uh, that, you know, Ryan was saying, and it was awesome, is the fact that if you ever one time don't take responsibility mm-hmm. for your team. You lose that. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, you can do shortcuts and stuff like that, and people take whatever. But if you one time give somebody, make somebody else the fall guy, and you don't take responsibility for something that you did, you've lost it. Years. You're not getting it back. Yeah. It, you know, for it, a long time.
3: So I will say something on that. You do have to be aware of your culture, and by culture I mean country. So, you know, we border two countries here. Mexico and Canada, very different. And you have to understand in each, just each one of those, how if you break that trust, how that culture looks at it. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Same for Europe, same for China, whatever it is. Everyone has a different, in some cultures, Garrett, we we had a guy that worked for us who refused overtime. For six months, because he was mad at somebody. They had a dispute.
0: So it was just like. Because if he got it, the other guy it. got it, is how it worked. Yeah. Oh, I got you. $300 less a week. He literally took it, took it in the shorts, basically, just to. So that guy had to as well. Right. Out of spite. Out of spite. It's both spite. So, like, how far will. Like, you have to know that.
1: Right.
3: About
0: the culture.
3: That's working for you. That's why we put like, culture around. It's like, yeah, we have a company culture. Yes, yes, all that. But there's also, there is, you know, country of origin.
0: That's huge. Yeah, but again, I just, I think if you ever don't take ownership and yeah. responsibility, you're going the wrong way. And I don't think that's going to help
2: with future leaders, in my yeah, opinion. And what Ryan just said reminded me of the Army. Like, the soldiers, we had to say in the Army, soldiers don't care what you say until they know that you care about them Yeah, first. so. Yeah, you know, you have to care about the soldiers. You got to care about the people working because if you th- consider them just a tool, then that, that can be thrown away. Then why would anybody want to do anything for you?
3: Yeah, James, that must there must be a quick exposure in the military, right? Because there can be life or death situations, right? right? So, right. like if 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 you don't look up to a leader in the military, you're not going to last long, right?
2: Yeah, I, I mean, there's stories in Vietnam of of. of officers, leaders, just being abandoned, shot by their soldiers because they couldn't lead. Mm. And so I think Garrett hinted out something like hierarchical leadership. Like, you can respect the rank, but when you're in the battlefield, you, it quickly becomes obvious who's going to be an asset to the group or just a detriment. And so regardless of rank, you'll see that especially with Special Forces guys. They'll be like, they go by first names for a reason because they're looking at the skill set not necessarily at the rank, yeah. which they still respect, but yeah. you have to be able to do what you're doing be competent in it. And that's how they respect you, if you're competent in your skill set.
3: And, you know, that's why I love some of Jocko's material, right? Because he really takes that battlefield and he brings it into, you know, everyday life, business. Mm -hmm. You know, he's got some great, great
0: material. Well, and something that you just said, like, totally sparked in my head. Like, if you just, you know, think people are tools or you just, you know, more another cog in the machine, if you will. Like, look what happens. Like, Like, there was a, if you go back in time, I don't know, was it 30 years, 40 years when companies don't have pensions anymore they don't care about like they don't have investment in their people anymore Mm -hmm. like they just like other commodity Mm -hmm. and so that's what happens like the mentality and why there's such a failing in leadership and why there's such a failing right now of you know all this that we're talking about is because of the fact that people just said oh we can just put more like logs in the fire and just keep the machine going and that's yeah. where the shortcomings come in.
2: I have a question about that, though. Do you think that is the reason why companies don't invest in people, and that's where we have this phenomenon? Or is it the sign of the times of modern generation, like millennials and Generation X? I'll give you an example. Like basketball, Michael Jordan, he stayed with the Bulls, even at a losing team for his almost entire career. On the opposite hand, you have LeBron James, who's gone to different teams, but, you know, Kind of like that's what most teams and you know, Kevin Durant, whoever you want to pick, it's not just specifically LeBron James. It's just the sign of the times. So that's my question.
0: Well I think I think you go into the what's in it for me, like generation kind of gap. Mm-hmm. But would those like would LeBron James's head work that way if he would have went back in time and it wasn't like you can work for the like oh you can go get the highest dollar or whatever because you stay with this company, you're going to get your gold watch. You're going to have that, you know what I mean? Like, so I think that's a, like talk about culture. That's a real culture issue. Like yeah. it went from, you know, you're going to work your butt off for 30 years at this job, you're going to get your gold watch and you're going to be taken care of for the rest of your life. Yeah. And that changed. Yeah. So there, but it, I, it's like a chicken egg. There's no way to,
1: to prove which one caused the other. Right. I think there's, there's people who like that stability. Oh, yeah. would absolutely. Absolutely appreciate a good pension. And the fact that that doesn't exist is you know, not good, right? Yeah. And then there's other people who I think like change and like adventure and, and wouldn't want that. But, And I would consider myself in the latter category, typically. But every time I've left a job, it's been because of leadership. So yeah. I think Fair you, you know sometimes people might stay in a job that has a pension. And I've worked with companies that do provide a pension for employees. And there's bad leadership, and those guys are stuck, and it's it's kind of sad, right? Because you've put in so much time that you don't want to leave, but you have a, a terrible work environment, and then... <laughs> yeah, it's like a nowhere to go. Yeah. Yeah, that,
2: that reminds me of a quote I read about leadership. Uh, it says something like, uh, people join because of vision, but people leave because of leadership. Yeah. So... Yeah. I think you're onto something there, but also, I, I, you know, there's also people who have said that. And I think don't I, I'm not, I remember a study? Don't quote me here because I don't remember really. But I remember this kind of saying that um, people who stay in a, one single company with, without a promotion, let's say maybe promotion, they're only getting an increase of three percent or five percent, or six percent in pay. But if they leave the company, they actually have a higher jump in salary yeah. by leaving. So like ten yeah. to twenty percent. Yeah, right. the
3: average person is like what three to five years in an organization. Right. Right.
2: And the other part of that is I stayed, I stayed in a company for 13 years, and I felt like if you get, if you get complacent in a company, your skills kind of you know, degrade. You're not as marketable to other companies as you get older. Your net present value. Talk about was, that all the time. Right. So what is the reason why people would stay in the company? Is because either some sort of amazing vision, they believe in something called but more importantly, with who would they interact with? It's the leadership. Well, yeah. I'll and challenge
3: you on that. I mean, we're comfort. Right, like we start getting drawn to comfort. That's true, and that's another conversation, and we won't go there right now.
2: But you're absolutely right, though. Some people just, regardless of leadership, they're just used to it, and they're going to stay in the company because they have, they already know exactly how to get by, and still make money. And then their focus is on the family. Then, just making money to support the family.
3: Yeah, and I understand. And and and, you know, everyone has a different story.
0: Yeah, yeah,
3: I agree with that. And I think
0: that's another great podcast. Yeah, coming up in the future. I have a good I'm looking
3: feeling. forward to that one. That was I, lo- I saw the show notes. I liked it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> good because I don't know they are. Um, <laughs> I've
3: never seen them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so that do you have. I'm sorry, Garrett. I, oh, I was, you look like you to we were, say something. We were talking about stories a lot. We've talked about our stories a little bit, but we haven't talked about your story,
2: Josh. And it's true. I think that'd be yeah, appropriate time. Yeah. Who am I? Who are who, you? Who is, Josh? who is this guy? Yeah, I don't even Josh? know who I
0: am. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like a uh, philosophical
2: I'm, question. I'm Josh. And
0: I'm an out, no, different story. Um, no, so I'm Josh, and uh, I'm part of the SOAR group. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll say that. I'm mean, that? I'm here. <laughs> uh, I'm a facilitator, moderator, and uh, hopefully soon enough uh, be managing the development of the sales team and also driving revenue. Um, it's crazy. I've worked at another company and had a had a customer of mine who introduced me to Garrett and and Ryan and James and uh, to say we hit it off like right away was is an understatement.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean it was crazy. Yeah, <laughs> like I felt like I've known you guys my whole life. Yeah, instantaneously. You know, it didn't help. Didn't hurt that Rainier was part of the process, yeah. but still, like we our conversations have been candid and open, and I'm you know very very happy to be a part of this organization. Um, for those who
2: don't know, Rainier is the mutual yeah. friend. Yeah, it's yeah. Not, Sorry, it's not. Don't a, worry, he'll be in a podcast. He'll be on a
0: podcast <laughs> because speaking of you know switching lots of jobs, there's we can go on a whole tangent about uh, recruiting and, yeah. sure. and things like that. So Absolutely. we'll get we'll get him in on a podcast for sure. But anyway, I'm just very excited to be here. Uh, you guys, the vision you have and the things that you want to accomplish, like, speak near and dear to my heart. Um, I, I I see it every single day. I work in companies that. Have all these cliches that we've talked about, yeah. you know, and the I think inspirational pictures on the wall, the unlimited pay time off. The you well, know. I think I think that helped yeah, too. Is
2: things. you know when you hire somebody, you look at somebody. There's a subjective feel, but we also use coupled that with data. We use like a software to sell your profile. And I think your profile fit really nicely into what we were lacking mm-hmm. and then one of our weaknesses. You know, so not just your experience, but also you know like the the software has said like this is your profile type and what you get, what you want to do and I. I know for all of us, we were like, we need this person yeah. on board. Yeah,
3: I, I mean, I'm so subjective, but it's true. And like Garrett, why don't you give your your little one one two minute spiel on on how? It, I mean,
1: it ties right into what, what we were saying yeah. before, right? Yeah. When when you go into an organization and you don't know your people, you don't know what their needs are, and so if there's a, a way that you can quickly understand what people's psychological needs are, mm-hmm. right? Not just their physical needs for a clean work environment, a safe work environment, but you start to understand their more specific psychological needs, you can actually work to meet them. And you can put them in a position where those needs are going to be naturally met and they're going to come alive, right? And when that happens, you don't have to worry as much about, you know, oh, did I check up and make sure this person's doing their job? They're going to want to do it. So right,
2: so that brings up a question to me, well, Ryan. You're about to say something. Uh, well,
3: I, I right wanted Garrett right? to go a little further, Garrett. Okay. We've we've talked about this on uh, how we uh, how we make hire. mistakes.
2: Yeah,
1: I forget who who said it, um, but you know, you would never go into a budget meeting and just wing it, like off the cuff. Ah, I think next year we can do <laughs> this, and yeah, we'll make about that. It'll work. You know, it's fine. You would. The CEO would not be happy with you if you you had that presentation.
0: I mean, they have horrible commercials now with people having tattoos all over their body and have all the quarterly numbers. that's how important those budget meetings are to have the information. (laughs) Right? Exactly. Correct. So, to your point, the target. But
1: then we—it's like, (laughs) who's going to actually drive those uh, those results? It's the people, and when we go on to hire, we kind of take a you know approach that's that's not based on facts or, or data, right? We just kind of feel. And unfortunately, you know, people are not very good. I'm not very good at naturally telling if somebody might be the right fit for a position or not. And you know, if you've read uh, Malcolm Gladwell's book, Talking, uh, Talking to Strangers, he, he wrote a whole book on this. And it's you know, very relevant to the, to the current environment. Um, but one of the stories he used was the story of uh, judges in New York with arraignments. And giving bail or, or not giving bail to uh, you know, to people oh, yeah. who are going to be on trial, and the judges, despite all their years of experience, did absolutely terrible at determining if somebody would commit another crime if they were given bail or not. And you know, some guys from MIT and Harvard wrote a computer program that wasn't terribly complex, but it reduced the amount of people who committed crime on bail by fifty percent. Wow! So. Yeah.
0: Wayne, it's funny. A lot of big companies, they, they, their interview process um, and the way they determine if somebody fits in a company is very wishy-washy. Yeah. yeah. It's very, like, there's, there's certain questions you can ask out of this section, certain questions right. out of this section, and that determines who you're going to hire. Yeah. yeah. But there's more to it. Well, I mean, it's, that's where the data comes in.
1: And I think as you mature in your career, you start to feel more comfortable interviewing, more comfortable mm-hmm. selecting people. But if you're, if you're a top-level executive... You know, at, at some point, you're not the one in the interview for the frontline person.
3: You and shouldn't be. Yeah. You shouldn't be. But oh, yeah. that's not always the case. Right. Yeah, it reminds me of that. I won't go
2: there. It um, <laughs> reminds me of the movie Moneyball. Like, they talk about the guys who were experienced. They weren't just doing it by feel, but you start using data can help supplement. I would not to say totally rely on the data, but it has to be a supplementation of different areas. Yeah. Somebody's experiences, your experience with some um, type of person, but also then have something coupled with some sort of hard, hard data to let you right. know. That person. Right? Well,
0: that's how you found me. Right?
2: Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I mean let's riff on trust for a
3: second on that. So think about it. If you are the head of an organization and you still you know, you've grown to a, a few dozen people and you're still having to interview the f- the 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 frontline person, whatever level that may be, right? You, you know, anything two, three, four steps below the CEO. Now, you're not trusting the people that work for you that you hired. Yeah.
1: And they know that because they you're still that. doing the interviews. They right. know it. And then yeah. it's, oh, you're, you're CEO's person. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Then right. Then yeah. The, the manager takes no responsibility, no ownership for the hire. Yeah.
3: I mean, we, can, we won't go there, but like, in this is, this is where we enjoy this. I mean, yeah. we've, Garrett and I have walked through this. Yeah. I've hired people, and then nobody was telling me, like, oh, yeah, Ryan, we didn't want to tell oh, you. Yeah, um, he wasn't real good, but we knew you liked him. I'm like, well, <laughs> it took you three years to tell me that. <laughs> <laughs> three years. I mean, that you know, and that that was a that was a number of years ago that it happened. But I've learned since then and and realized how I have to call myself out, and then how I have to create this environment that says, "Hey, Ryan, this is kind of your buddy. We're afraid to tell you mm-hmm. that he's not really ho- he's not really holding his end of the bargain for the team." And it's like, oh. Now, I, I mean, I, I'd say in the last, I don't know, eight years, I've gotten that down to where it's immediate.
0: Yeah. So well, it, this goes back to that conversation you had earlier, where the guy can come in and say, "Yeah, boss, we dropped the ball," and you're like, "Okay," and you walk away. It's like right. you're building that trust and that letting them yeah. know it's okay. Yeah. If yeah. something doesn't go exactly the plan, I still need to know about it, but yeah. And then you know, it if, it's, the, that's the trust. if it's
3: serious, then we all dive in right away. If it's it's something that you know, was a mistake that we can all move on
2: from, then we move on. So here's my question then. What if you find somebody who doesn't live up to their expectations? Like how often do you have to defend and take responsibility for what they do versus, hey, this person, we got to let them go. Like where is that? Where is that balance?
3: When you see the pattern. Okay. When so it's not the first time. Yeah, like, when there's a pattern. I mean, there's a pattern and when you see there's, there's going to be a little window of, of just neglect, of no care. But honestly, people around you start telling you. Yeah. So if you have that relationship with these people that are working alongside this person, then they start saying, hey, you know, James is he's okay. Yeah. What does that mean?
2: I like James. What do you mean he's okay? I like him. It reminds me of that Simon Sinek question about uh, a lecture about uh, Navy SEALs. They kind of like, they depend on each other and they'll hold their their own. But if somebody's not holding up, they're.
3: Yeah, and listen, James, sometimes people are wrong. Just they're wrong. Mm -hmm. And you might have hired somebody for a specific reason because you want a certain thing out of them. But then that's your responsibility to make sure everyone knows they're here for this. Right. He's not taking your job. He's not taking your job. He's here for this. That's often not the case. But if if
1: if they are showing a pattern of it, then it, oh, all right. Now, well, I feel like a lot of times uh, managers have an easier time parting with somebody for a work performance issue that might be coachable versus a cultural issue, which is typically a no. lot difficult, more difficult yeah. to coach yeah. through. It's squishy, you know, <coughs> yeah. and. Just seen so many times how somebody can destroy a company from the inside out just by being the opposite of of the culture that's Mm -hmm. that's needed. What about a a situation
0: where maybe it's not maybe somebody's not in the right like right fit? Like, what if you hire somebody for sales but they'd be better in a in a people position? And how do you know that? And how do you how do we go about
1: figuring that out? Do we have a a database screening tool? You would typically know it before you hire. And I think that's one of the reasons to I'd advocate for that is so you don't put somebody in an unfair position, right? Yeah, uh, then, then they're already not in uh, a yeah. position. But I, I think a, a good manager, a good leader, sees the potential in someone and can, and can pivot people. Yeah. Agreed. I ideally. I think ideally. ideally.
2: It, how do you gain that, though? Is that something learned or something through experience? Is that wisdom? Like, How do you know you're the good leader? Well,
1: I'll, I'll answer the first question first sure. and then we can think about the second one. But the, <laughs> a, as a leader, you should, you know, constantly be taking inventory of your team, right? Like if you have a relationship with them and you know them well, you're going to start to see their specific strengths and of course our weaknesses as well. And when we kind of talk about retention, why don't people stay at companies anymore? I think part of it is we don't have a, a good growth plan for those people. Absolutely. So it yeah. might not just be, Hey, What's next for this person? Because I don't think they're well suited for this role, but also this person is well suited for this role. But what are they going to do in three years when they, when they need a new role, right? And if it's not a promotion, what lateral move is going to be available? Hmm. So. Before
3: you go into that next one, there is something on three years. Mm -hmm. It's an interesting. Is
2: there a duration? Why three years? There's an
3: interesting. If if you just watch patterns, think of your own life and think of patterns, right? Like. We kind of have, you know, high schools four years, right? College is four years. Middle so three years. Yeah. yeah, so think of getting through the first three years, and then senior year, it's like it's a different year, right? right? Yeah, so that pattern, I believe, it, it continues when you get into work. So as three years comes up, you start looking for novelty.
2: Do you think that's all people or leadership? I, I, I would say, at least in the Army, that's true. Three years, they need to change yeah. different posts. I right? didn't even know that, but that, yeah, there you go. That's definitely true. And there's a reason why they do three years. And there's a reason why they, you know, there's another tidbit. You only—you ma- can only handle three to five tasks. Mm-hmm. So in squads, they actually have three to five people in a, a team or a squad. And then a platoon, which is larger, you have three to five or four squads in there. So, but uh,
3: This is just my observation. Mm-hmm. This is what I've experienced. This is what yeah. I've seen. Right.
0: Yeah. Right. right. <laughs> I'd have to totally agree with you. I'm coming up on three years.
3: That's how it goes. In That's how it goes. my current sure. place. And,
0: you know, another place is three years. I mean, it, it, you're right. It's cyclical. Um, but I don't, and I think it's, I think to James's point, like, if you are in this position where you're doing great and like, things are going great or whatever, but you want more, I think your brain is like, after three years, we'll start looking. Yeah, we'll start looking uh, for feelers something. Feelers will be out there. Mm-hmm. Yep. That would never have been there had you been able to grow Internally. To your point, yeah, I mean yep. and exactly you wouldn't have made a change because you're in a very good spot. You wouldn't change. But anyone listening to this today should go back, look at their
3: entire team, and look at how their their uh their tenure. And anyone yeah. that's been three years in a certain role, or you know, not they could be sixteen years in an organization, but three years in the last same, three to four, say, Hmm, how you doing? I should check in with them. Yeah. I bet you they're looking for something. Right. And <laughs> It's what I've observed, and I started paying attention to it, and then I've started to kind of develop these little theories as to why. But you know, here we are,
1: four of us here talking about this, and right. we all are like, "Yeah." Well, yeah. It get, gets into silos as well, and how how you break down organizational silos is by having a rotational system or you know, promotional system that brings people in from other areas. Within the organization, should we go into the ops sales <laughs> discussion? <Yeah>. You know, <laughs> we, should we go there? <laughs>
2: don't we need to answer the second part of the question though? The, yeah, how do you go know? You're the, how do you know you're a good leader?
0: Look Garrett? at James bringing the ship right that's, back. Yeah, that's my back. personality. I've been always thinking about the thing. And he was in the, the army, but now he's yeah. the captain of the boat. These guys are all over <laughs> the place. Of
2: the boat.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's that's a difficult question. I think that that's why I asked it. I know somebody who's a good leader understands that there's a level of humility that goes along with just you know, being a human being and then being a leader as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you know you're a good leader when you can connect with your people and you deliver results. Yeah.
0: But also to that point, you can be a leader and develop. I mean, you can be a non-leader. You can be entry-level person that ends up at some point being CEO of the company. Yeah because you were able to learn. Because that was one of your questions, too. Like, if can you, can you, is that learned or is that just, you know, you just natural. have that knowledge that you have a magic wand to tell if that person's a good fit or whatever? You know, I think that, yeah, I, th- I think you could definitely, yeah, I think it's 100% on it. Ma-
3: Maxwell talks about this. I, I like his material. John Maxwell. Right? Yeah, John Maxwell. Um, <laughs> he, you know, he'll say there's a certain degree of, of natural leadership in, in people. In like, you know, I think he's even said I'm 1 to 10 and somebody's more, more towards, towards 1, somebody's more towards 10. But then I you know, I, I think he's even unpacked a little more and I'd say in that you know, now we start getting back into your own story. What 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 you've experienced, what's come against you, what you've had to overcome, and then areas that you have seen success that have helped build, you know, your own leadership. So there is a piece of 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 natural, um, but is that natural mean lived? Right? You know, who your parents were, how they how they communicated with each other, um, or lack thereof. And, you know, we go the opposite direction sometimes. Like, hey, I never want to be that, right? Well, then you mm-hmm.
2: bring up a great point. I think there's a certain level of self-awareness that has to be in a leader. Like, you have right. to really know your emotions. You have to be aware like, of your background, your family of origin. These are things that I don't think a lot of people want to explore, or some people don't care to explore if they're looking at just, Task oriented, get the mission done. Right,
0: yeah. it's hard and, and it hurts. Well, and I think if you don't have that natural inclination towards leadership, you're not going to seek out that next step. Yeah, you know, that's true. I mean, that's another part of it. So that is, it's a nature nurture thing, but it there's really is it has to be something there to want to drive. I mean, there's there has to be a reason why you want to take less pay and work harder. Right. right. I mean,
1: yeah, that's the truth. So, I mean, we could ask ourselves, why do we want to? leaders like what you know what james what drew you into it leadership yeah
2: i would say when i entered west point i was 17 years old so it wasn't necessarily because of leadership i think it was because of reputation and mm-hmm. so my family of origin or how i received love from my parents looking back now i didn't know this then yeah. subconsciously was performance oriented validation mm-hmm. which basically mean i have to do well in order to receive love get good grades and then I would receive attention. So I think that's how I got into West Point. But in terms of West Point's the process of getting people, getting you responsibility and making you in charge of something so that you're held accountable to the things that you're responsible for. You, that's their curriculum, that's their process. I think when I went to, when I was a platoon leader in Iraq, and then you're you're responsible for people's lives. That's when you realize, like, oh, this is not fake. This is not just training. Mm-hmm. Like, when you feel the weight of your decisions, and you know that people are counting on your decisions to, for you to do well, or their decisions are based on your decisions that are accurate. You, I think that's, I think that's a part of learned leadership. But then also, as a leader, you take, you can control, or you have more influence on. Not just the people, but the direction of where you think the organization organization go, should go. If you're the a pawn on the chessboard, you kinda of just move forward. But if you're the queen or the king, you can have, and, you, and you have an idea of where how what success looks like, mm-hmm. you're gonna wanna be in that leadership position, right? Yeah. But I also you know, talk, going back to Jocko, like there is a way to influence leadership. Down and up. Right. Yeah. So, as a person, it doesn't mean like, oh, that person above me just makes a decision. I just got to follow. Whereas, like a robot, you can actually be an asset to that leader by helping them understand where their decision may be right or wrong. And when you are able to provide new information, not being just a yes man, but say, hey, you know, have you thought about this? You know, there's a way to communicate without disrespecting somebody who may be your leader. And when you start. Being accurate and making good decisions, you build trust with the senior leader as well. Mm-hmm. So, so for me, it's like I think I found in leadership something that was just a natural fit—not just a natural fit, but a necessity in order to get the things that done that I thought should have been done. Yeah, yeah. But is, I mean, it's the same for you guys. I mean, you guys—you guys are coming from more of the business background when I came from the military background. You find that? Why did you guys become leaders? Why did you guys just make, you know? Six figures doing something else, like a technician or something, that would be fine. But
3: yeah, I wanted it to be different. You just want to be. Different. I didn't like it. I didn't like. Um, I didn't like the traditional role of management. I didn't like the traditional role of how they looked at, you know, what you were supposed to be as a manager. I, I didn't like it. And quite frankly, I, I said early on, I said it, it. There's no way it has to be like this. Like it can't be this dysfunctional. People can't be this frustrated all the time with every decision that's being made like why is the communication from i'd say 80 percent of the staff on, and you know let's say a fairly large organization all in line with each other but out of line with senior leadership
2: so you had bad leadership is what made you say i can that's do that.
3: absolutely that it was, that was you can be very inspirational yeah Absolutely. So it was about hey, we can do
1: change. And it takes time. Somewhat similar to some of the things you've seen. Yeah,
0: I mean, I I've been it's crazy cuz I don't want to say how old I am, but uh you know, I've been a manager for over a quarter of a of a century. Like mm-hmm. over 25 years of my life I've been in management of some form or another. And I agree with you wholeheartedly. Uh the way that, you know, do or die mentality that I grew up with, you know, Um, and the way most businesses are ran is a total joke Mm -hmm. Um, you know people are important like they are assets and they should be treated as such you wouldn't you wouldn't just throw your money in the street you know you wouldn't you got to take care of the things that you know take care of you right and so I've always been just drawn to helping people be the best they can be Um, that's what I've always wanted to do you know I know that as an individual contributor you know I, I can I can do great things but like as a manager I can get 20, 30, 40, 50 people to do great things. Yeah. And to me, that makes a lot more you know sense to me in like how I operate and how my brain works than sitting there and making sales every day or whatever that kind of thing. And I know, obviously, I'm in a sales role here, but but my growth is to get other people beneath me and not beneath me, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. under my supervision. and so Mentorship is a good it. thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I love mentoring people. I love that whole aspect of it, whether it's coaching my daughter's volleyball or my son who plays, you know, golf and he's going to be going to college this year playing golf. And I've been his only coach. Like those things to me, like building people to be better every day. You know, that's, that's my thing.
2: Yeah. A couple of what you're about to say, Sam, real quick though. Like, you know, at West Point, you were talking about bad leadership and one of the things they teach you is to learn from them, good or bad. Mm, Because when you even have bad leaders, you can learn from them and say, this is what I don't want to be. You learn wrong.
0: You learn more from a bad leader than a good leader. You really do. If you're open to learning, correct, yeah, Yeah. correct, and not just wanting to stab, you know, grab a knife and stab them. But you actually have to learn from those mistakes. If you can actually take that information, like I was raised in a household where I had a lot of bad, you know, Mm -hmm. information given to me, I could have went a totally different route. Yeah, but you have to recognize that. Okay, that I don't want that. I want this over here. Right. And then that's where Well, you the either potential comes.
3: you either go down the
0: road of complaining about it or you do something about it. Right. Or do the same and just repeat the cycle.
2: Yeah. You brought something up also Josh about being part of a team like a manager. You want to get more scaling basically. One person can't do everything. You have to be part like a manager can create more efficiencies and 5 10x whatever the job may be. I think you know, st- st- being in SOAR group, but being part of like this, this entrepreneurship part, you quickly realize, I mean, I always realized it, but you really realize how important the team is because mm-hmm. you just can't do everything by yourself. Just, you know, you have a specialty. You, you may be a subject, manager, ma- subject matter expert on sales or marketing, but somebody's got operations. Somebody's got to do mm-hmm. uh, that leadership visionary people. Role. people People role. It's just somebody has to be the technician. Somebody has to actually get the computer working you know yeah. and so you just you just have to get these you have to be part of this team you know and being part of a team means relationships so guys so leadership?
0: leadership leadership for you what do you what was why you you know what what brought you to leadership and what made you want to thrive in this environment
1: i think as a young person my motive might not have always been as pure as it is now <laughs> we'll say right? right so i i think and that's part of the interesting shift um You know, growing up, I was always fascinated with politics. I wanted to be a politician. Mm -hmm. And part of it might have just been, you know, we can kind of go into personality and psychological needs, but I have a need to influence. and Some people might say a need to control. Um, So I think my leadership journey has been learning to temper that. And, you know, naturally I might say I'm not an an extrovert, I'm an introvert. Um, So kind of switching my need to control to a need to become relational with people. And I think at this point, I've had the opportunity to see the change that occurs through good leadership. When you, in a work environment, can like change someone's family life, change someone's yeah. marriage. It's amazing. Um, you know, it's like you can always be proud of the business turnarounds that you've done. Um, but when you're like, man. Working with that person was able to make an impact on that person's life, like their, their family. That's to me now the greatest. When well, where your yeah.
0: influence comes in, right? Like, yeah,
1: right. I mean it, it helps your needs and it
0: makes it a great, you know, makes it great for them as well. Correct. It's awesome.
2: Gary, you mentioned needs, and we talk about nonviolent communication, but you also mentioned psychological needs. Is there a whole list of needs out? There's nonviolent communication, but is there other? How do you Couple of things, right? I guess, a couple yeah. questions. <laughs> what are those needs? Is the list all-encompassing? And how do you learn what somebody's needs are? And I definitely
1: like uh, Marshall Rosenberg's list, mm-hmm. right? In uh, nonviolent communication. So I think that's a great start. Mm-hmm. There's a few different tools out there that people use. Right? A lot of people like DISC. Some people like Predictive Index. we been learning the Process Communication Model. Um, so there's lots of different models out there, and each one kind of will have their their view of people's needs that are all very similar and can be related. So I think it's just it's a matter of which one you use, okay. right? Um, I've I think we've kind of experienced them all at this point, and they they all are are great to have.
3: So. Yeah, they they're fantastic. I mean, people prefer one over the other. Um, I I have some preference, but I've found that understanding more than one i mean there's also you know there's the enneagram and, yeah. and there's clifton strengths right and i think clifton strengths are great because you start understanding that's where it kind of pulls in some self awareness so you couple that with understanding some other pieces of of who you are and listen we're, we're, nobody is on a, a sheet of paper there there is yeah. everyone is very <laughs> that's one thing At least i we hope not uh, yeah no everyone is very unique Right. Every person, I mean, to our fingerprint, Mm -hmm. our fingerprint is is no two are the same. So it's the same across the board. So can everyone be managed the same? No. So that's why it comes back to you have to know.
0: And and just doing it with basic needs is such an, I mean, it's such an, it sounds really simple and it really is, but so many people never even think about it. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you think about, okay, they need food, shelter, you know, like. The very, like the extreme basic needs of being a human being, like you can affect huge
1: change yeah. if you make sure that those things are taken care of. If, yeah. uh, I mean, during the Industrial Revolution, huge. if we had thought about people's needs, would we, I mean, what what would the world have looked like today? Right. right. I mean, yeah. it would have been a, a vastly different, the whole labor management struggle would have looked very different. Yeah. I'm convinced.
2: Yeah. I remember Gary sharing me with well, the first time you guys went to a new company, one of the basic things you did for people was just give them clean water, wasn't that? They, just, they didn't have, like, clean... Water yeah, hard to believe in
3: today's age. Like, how could people not have you know, access water. to, you know, regular good drinking water, right? And
2: this is America we're talking about. Like yeah, yeah, this right. is okay. America. Right. And we're not talking, like, yeah. third world uh, country or. You wouldn't think so, but, yeah. It's yeah,
0: crazy. Well, I'm going to do something here because I know we can sit here and talk for hours and hours. We're all passionate about this. Yeah, at a certain point, people probably just turn it here. off, right? Well, I, don't yeah. so. I, okay. I don't think so. I don't think. I hope not. Hey, don't take... Don't listen to this guy. But real quick, <laughs> what I want to do to wrap this up a little bit and kind of put a bow yeah, on it. There's good stuff coming. I want I want to uh, talk about the Serenity Now podcast. Yeah. yeah. Like, why are we doing this? Like, why are yeah. we doing the Serenity Now podcast? So why, why are we doing this podcast for people? Don't all talk
1: about yeah. I mean, Don't interrupt. First and foremost, I think it's, it's just a forum to address, uh, you know, the current events in the world and, and bring people on. Who have been successful in leadership positions and positions of, of change, and and I think those are interesting stories that need to be told.
3: Yeah, I, I think we also want to bring on some people that, you know, there's we're going to have a a wide list of people that come on, and from people you've maybe heard of to some people you've never heard of, and maybe even you know some some people that work the front line, and it's kind of fun, yeah. right? Let's hear from them. Like, what is you know there's a lot of discussion on what's going on in today's labor environment and today's you know today's working world retention the great resignation you twice. know twice there was yeah, two parts to that it, it was was wasn't october it, right? and then also april so you know let's let's hear from some people right yeah. is that is that going to be interesting to you yeah maybe some a lot of people
1: right. you know depending and, and there's a lot that goes into that retention piece right so right. if we if we're talking about health and and welfare and um, nutrition, yep. right? All all these things tie in, so it's all fair game for Serenity now.
3: Yeah, and I think it's just also it's it's us communicating that we're open to hearing
0: what's going on. We're hearing from other people, hearing other views. And I also think you know a really cool thing about this is that we're gonna you know dive deeper into each of you guys and me. I'm hoping mm-hmm. as well and uh and nah, no, Josh. No, <laughs> not, not i'm an open book it's easy you don't need deep. no deep dive there but uh you know i know we have some hot topics that we want to talk about uh like as things pop in our head i'm sure we'll talk about yeah. them. like nutrition we are very passionate yeah. i mean one of the first things that was told by these guys when i first started talking to them is that we're gonna have you know gym memberships for all of our employees like you know like like health and like it's not just health like because health is a Bogus term right yeah but actual wellness and actually taking care yeah. of somebody like yeah. actual from the their very fine yeah, core all the way up that's an important thing, so I think we'll have lots of discussion about nutrition we'll have you know discussions about different ways to do work
3: yeah, I really yeah. want to share on that on that like nutrition and wellness piece, something that I'd like to share with organizations that i think if 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 companies adopted this they would see exponential improvements mm-hmm. in efficiency and productivity
0: yeah not just productivity retention right yeah well, and retention i mean you know across the board if but. people actually gave a crap about the people that work for them and on a on a whole yeah you could right. actually still not yeah. give a
3: crap and do a couple of things <laughs> right <So laughs> that help would them. help <laughs> right <laughs> right so you know if you want to stay there which i don't advise it but if you need to
2: yeah hey, sometimes it's the first step you're right yeah i want to share my thoughts on the where the podcast can go i think I think all fundamentally, we all know there's something wrong in the world. There's something broken here. We talk about just politics or just in, in schools or what's going on just at the home. And I think we want to ap- approach this as can there be change? Mm-hmm. What can you do to change as a person, as a leader? And what are the things where maybe it's something that's not your responsibility? Where Because you don't want to to overburden yourself, only one person or a team can only do so much. And helping you have like this wisdom to decide, can you do something? Or is there something that's best to let go? But also part of that is to initiate change to, and change costs something. It costs sacrifice, it causes uh, pressure and challenges. And looking at these things is not as a negative, but an opportunity to grow. And can we find these nuggets and stories, not just in amongst ourselves, but in um, people starting businesses, people who are already in leadership positions like in, in healthcare, um, wherever it may be, or in different countries, wherever it may be, I think we're searching for those things and can those things be distilled and crystallized into principles that we can apply for ourselves or yourself, not just your organization, but to your family and your community. Mm-hmm. So that's how I see sovereignty, and that's kind of the definition I feel like the idea of serenity, but also a foundation and a spark to do something. Yeah,
0: that was very well said, James. Thanks. Very well. Thank you, the Josh. president has spoken. Presidente. President <laughs> <laughs> All right, so here we are. Awesome. Yeah, the ship yeah. is uh, on on its way. The I'm captain, side, the ha- captain president, <laughs> <laughs> has, has we're on our way, well, and
2: and. Onward and upward, right? Yes. Well, we said we're burning the ship, so am I captain of a burn ship? or am I a- <laughs> uh, You're on land now. Yeah. Okay. So right. you should okay. be in there because you're we're army, we're so you'll be fine. <laughs> That's all right. All right, so until awesome. next time. Very excited. Yeah. Serenity now. Josh, serenity serenity now. now.
3: Serenity now. Yeah. Awesome. All right, nice. guys. Cheers.